Well, good afternoon. Welcome to Your DIY Health here on the People's Patriot Network. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. It is Thursday, March 26, 2020, day 46 in the COVID-19 or coronavirus hoax. That's right. This program is meant to present nutritional information only and is in no way meant to replace the advice of a competent medical professional, assuming you can find one. I'm not a doctor, and that's a good thing. In my opinion, the doctors most people go to see when they have a health issue, MDs, are wrapped around the axle of their training. Unfortunately, their training is in drugs and surgery, and it doesn't equip them to treat the over 900 chronic health issues that are proven to be a result of a nutritional deficiency. I'm simply someone who's been studying under the tutelage of one of, if not the top nutritional authorities in the world, Dr. Joel Wallach. Now, I don't treat diseases. I don't even treat people. I simply advise people how to give their bodies the raw materials they need to support and maintain good health. And when the body has what it needs, it'll fix itself. The body wants to fix itself. The body knows how to fix itself. It has a God-given innate ability to do so. The only thing that's missing is the raw materials. And when you put those back into the mix, stand back and wait to be amazed because your body's going to do some really cool stuff. Now you can visit my website at yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself health, H-E-A-L-T-H, yourdiyhealth.com. There's all kinds of information there. All the products we talk about, the Longevity Nutritional Supplements, the CTFO CBD Oils, the Stem Enhance Ultra by Cerule, the LifeWave X39 Patch, the uh, Pulsed Electromagnetic Therapy Unit that you can find under the Trinity of Health section, under the uh, Circulation section of the Trinity, excuse me, uh, Trinity of Health tab, and of course the coffee that I drink, Gano Excel. Fantastic stuff, detoxifies your body, clears up your skin, and uh, really, really has a wonderful effect and tastes great, too. Uh, about 50 cents a cup and uh, far better and far less expensive than that overburned roasted stuff that they come that comes out of Seattle. So, uh, anyway, I encourage you to check the site out. Spend some time there. Everything's got money-back guarantees, so if you don't like it, you can always get a refund. Uh, but you'll probably never need to do that. So anyway, uh, keep also in mind the topics discussed and opinions mentioned on this show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the People's Patriot Network, its owners or sponsors, or any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in. Nothing we say on the show should be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any kind of health issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only so that you can make a uh, responsible uh choice and decisions based on your own due diligence and research so that you can make sure that what you're doing, what you're trying is right for you. And again, I have to stress, because this came up in the uh, last show I did on TFR this morning, finished up about an hour ago, somebody said, you're going to get people in trouble uh, with the stuff you're telling them. I said, no, I'm not. I said, I start every show out with a disclaimer. This is my beliefs, my uh, opinions, and, you know, use this show as a jumping off point. Anybody who takes my word for it, don't do that. You're not a slave. You're not a subject. You're, you should be a free-thinking human being which means you should do your own due diligence and your own research to make sure that what I'm saying is right. You know, don't take my word for it. If you do, you deserve what you get. Simple as that. But just like we say when we do the Bitcoin shows, we always say never invest more than you can afford to lose because even though it's unlikely, it is possible things could go wrong and you could lose your investment. Same here. If you do something and grow a, a sixth finger or a third eye, don't blame it on me, you know. I'm just sitting here, harmless little fuzzball, as uh, Rush Limbaugh likes to say. I'm giving out my opinions, 
and what I have found through my experience, but yours might be different. So take what I'm saying and research it. Do look at other places, see what other people are saying, and then make an informed decision based on the facts that you've uncovered. But, you know, shame on anybody who just does anything that somebody, myself, or anyone else says. Uh, you should always, you know, that's the trouble. Most people, while they may be adults, they're not responsible adults. The difference is a responsible adult takes responsibility for their own actions. They do their own research and they decide what they're going to do for themselves. They don't just blindly follow what someone else says. So anyway, that being said, I forgot to mention a few things on the website. Uh, uh, at the bottom of the home page, you'll see the Facebook button, and that'll take you right to the page set up for the show uh, for the Facebook page. And there's a bunch of articles I've been posting up there lately. Also, if you have any questions about anything, you can use the Contact Me button to send an email or call, and I'll be more than happy to uh, do anything I can to help you out. And also on the Radio Shows tab at the top of the page is the archive page set up through castbox.fm, and uh, that's where you can find replays of all the shows I've been doing uh, this show since uh, October 22nd of 2018, and the TFR show over on Ex-Wife number 3, as Roger likes to say. Uh, everything since the beginning of February is also up there now. So all these shows, both uh, both networks are archived in this one location, and it's all free. You can uh, share it by email or social media, and we encourage you to do that and listen to things. There's uh, close to 300 shows up there now, so uh, there are plenty of things to pick from. I do uh, fairly accurate uh, descriptions of each show with any links and things like that. So I encourage you to check that out. And also I will be putting in uh, today's uh, show link a uh, link to a... Um, about an hour and a half long YouTube video uh, that, um, uh, what's his name, Gary, uh, hmm, I can't remember his name now. But anyway, um, he had a, uh, the guy that developed email, who is a multiple PhD in, phys you know, whatever from uh, MIT, is uh, dispelling the myths and blowing the lid off of the stuff going on with the coronavirus. So I encourage you to check that out. Uh, I've only watched about the first 25 minutes, and it's very interesting. And this guy is very credible. So I encourage you to check that out. And that, like I said, that link will be in the show description for today's show. Um, and uh, also, uh, Michael Gaddy will be our guest, and I'm going to bring him on in just a minute. Uh, the number to call into the show, uh, when I say so, don't call in yet. Uh, but 614-426-8787. 614 614-426-8787. 614-426-8787 or Sarge45ACP on Skype. S-A-R-G-E, the number is 45, letters A-C-P on Skype. And I'm um, getting a hold of Mike right now. You're going to hear the phone ringy-dingy here because I can't turn that goofy thing off. And hopefully, there he is. Michael, how you doing Hi, today? Hello. Michael? How are you, sir? Hey, there you are. Doing great, doing great. How are you? Doing very well, thank you. Okay. Um, you know, it's interesting. I thought that it might be kind of fun if you, uh, you know, we'll see how things go. But, um, and the sun, I'm seeing a poor connection, so hopefully things will clear up here. But um, with all the uh, lockdown orders that have been given over the last week or so for different states, I know um, as of uh, Monday at midnight this week, the state of Ohio is under a lockdown order per Governor DeWine. And um, so many others, I know California, and I forget uh, which others, but um, there's a bunch of them that uh, are now 
putting out these lockdown orders. And I personally believe they're unconstitutional. There's no uh, constitutional authority for them to do anything like this. And I just wanted to get your take on it and see what you think. And uh, I know this kind of stuff has happened in the past, but uh, what do you think about these things? Well, Jim, uh, basically, the federal government is extremely limited on what they can do, but actually what a governor can do or in his particular state is very dependent upon his state constitution. Uh, the If the state authorizes such activities, then it is constitutional in that state. Where we run into the problems, uh, in my opinion, is when the federal government starts passing edicts for the states. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about um, the, the, the clause that says the... the um, U.S. Constitution is the supreme law of the land. I would think that uh, if there is a, well, you know, there's no prohibition, so to speak, in the uh, federal constitution. So I suppose if there's something in the state constitution that allows it, uh, the fact that it's not mentioned in the federal constitution wouldn't uh, be an issue, I suppose. Um, So, uh, yeah, it would definitely uh, go back. And I'd have to research. I haven't spent a while since I've read the Ohio Constitution, but I don't believe at least my particular state, there's any authority granted to the governor or anyone else for that matter to do these things. And I'd I'd be willing to guess that most state constitutions probably mimic the federal constitution uh, in this regard where they don't usurp the, uh, you know, right to movement and uh, to earn a living and that kind of thing. Uh, But you're right. I would think that uh, definitely it's a state thing, which is why my governor uh, has issued this, uh, order and of course you know they say it's mandatory but when you go in and look at the uh, actual details on it you know you can walk your dog uh, go to the grocery store go to the bank uh, there's all kinds of loopholes um, you know yesterday I got done with the show and it was a nice day my wife and I decided to take the dogs for a walk we hadn't been out doing that for a while and when we stopped got done we were talking to the neighbors and uh, they were out you know doing stuff and uh and of course, the traffic on the, our little country road it was busier yesterday than I had seen in a long time. People zooming up and down the road, you know, like bats out of you know where. Um, you know, typical city folks that move to the country and still drive like idiots. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you that uh, it definitely comes down to the states because, you know, it's definitely not in the federal constitution. And. Um, you know, it's just interesting that it looks to me like they are using this as a real good test case to try and see just how much people will put up with, um, you know, the closing of private businesses and, um, you know, virtually everything that they're doing now saying you can't go to a restaurant, you can't sit down for a meal and that kind of thing. Um, it's, you know, and, and a lot of that comes from incorporation, I believe. You know, all these businesses are incorporated, so therefore the creator creates, the creator can control, and the creator is the state. So they can literally tell a business they have to shut down, and they don't really have a whole lot of say. But if somebody was actually, if, if someone actually out there had like a little diner that they were just running on their own and didn't have a uh, uh, an incorporation, I would think that they could leave their doors open and thumb their nose at the government and basically be in pretty good shape. You know, the only thing is, is most likely they have gotten permits from the state health department and all this other crap that would come into play. Well, we'll just pull your permit or we'll do this or we'll do that. And then it becomes a restraint of trade kind of thing. 
But, you know, what do you think about all the stuff that's going on? Do you think it's a, um, a an opportunity for them to try and usurp more power and take, my, take away more rights? Well, absolutely, Jim. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I, I know uh, several state constitutions and, uh, you know, there's that uh, Hosea 4.6, which tells yeah. us that uh, my people are our people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, lack of knowledge. Right. and they have rejected knowledge. And I know that almost every state constitution has this same provision in it. I know that Arkansas does. It's Article 2, Section 1, which establishes the sovereign in the state. And it says that the uh, everything is up to the will of the people and that the people can alter or abolish their government if it transgresses onto their rights. Uh, and uh, you tell that to most folks and you get this uh, deer in the headlights look and they yeah. have no idea what that means. Yeah. Right. But we are not under the subjugation of government. Government is supposed to be our servants exactly. and not the other way around. <laughs> they are showing now without a without any timidity whatsoever they are telling i was talking about this um to some folks the other day i saw where the uh mayor of little rock imposed a curfew and i counted uh the number of times he said we will allow we will allow <laughs> yeah. and that that to me is uh, that that bothers me you don't allow anything we allow exactly. you yeah uh, so um Americans have lost their way because I've said this for decades now. If you don't know what your rights are, you don't know when they're gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I uh, every once in a while I'll see something come up on Facebook. It's like, should we be allowed to do this? Should parents be allowed to teach their children to shoot? And I, the last one, that was what it was, was somebody was asking about parents being able to teach their children how to shoot. And I fired right back. I said, you know, people need to get this should be allowed crap out of their vocabulary. You know, people can do whatever the heck they want to do as long as they're not infringing upon the rights of someone else. The fact that we have to ask if we should be allowed to do something tells us that we're not free people. We're slaves because a freeman knows what his rights are and acts upon them and doesn't ask permission for anybody for any reason. And what do we have today? You can't do anything, literally, without getting a permit from the local government or the state or something. I get a kick out of these people that have concealed carry licenses, and they call it right to carry. I said, do you realize what an oxymoron that is? You've got a God-given right that you're exchanging for a state-granted privilege. What's wrong with this picture? I refuse. I tell people all the time, I used to teach personal protection and handgun safety. Uh, I was an NRA certified instructor. I taught it for probably 10, 12 years. And when concealed carry passed in Ohio, I quit teaching. And people said, why'd you do that? You could have made a lot of money. I says, because I don't want to be a part of someone giving up their God-given right for a state-granted privilege. You know, I'll be happy to teach you if you guarantee me you won't go out and get a permit because of it. <laughs> you know, I just, I, it drives me nuts when people ask for permission to do something that they have a right to do. It's nuts. And, uh, you know, it's just the sign of the times. They, you know, they, they rattle their chains to celebrate their freedom, you know. But well, uh, one of sometime. the things, too, Jim, I would like to address is, Sure. You mentioned uh, in in the very beginning uh, the supremacy clause, Article Six, Clause Two, and there's a great story behind that for the people who uh, 
would actually uh, want to get into their history. But uh, Article 6, uh, Clause 2, was originally written by Luther Martin, the Attorney General for the State of Maryland at the Constitutional Convention. <clears throat> Pardon me. And he wrote it in a very different form than how it appears in the Constitution. Uh, uh, and uh, some words were removed and some words were added by the Committee of Style to completely alter the meaning of uh, the Supremacy Clause. But the word that is commonly left out, even in its present form, is in pursuance of. So the only laws that are supreme are those which are in pursuance of the Constitution, which means mm -hmm. that it is not a supreme law it, just because the legislature said so, and just because the governor said so, or the president said so, or the Congress said so, if it is not in pursuance of the Constitution, it is not the supreme law of the land. Yeah, and that right has here. been left yeah. out. Let me read it for everybody. This is I'm coming on my little citizen's rule book that I always keep here on my desk. The Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all treaties made, or which shall be made under the authority of the United States, shall be the supreme law of the land, and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby, anything in the Constitution or laws of any state to the contrary notwithstanding. Uh, so that's basically Article 6, Clause 2. And uh, thank goodness it's still in the uh, <laughs> the citizens' rule book properly. But I know what you mean. And um, if you had something else, let's go on. There was something else I wanted to ask you about that once we cover whatever you were, else you were thinking. Well, uh, back when, uh, when the states were rebelling against Obamacare, and there were 35 states that had said that they were not going to implement Obamacare until the wonderful Supreme Court Justice John Roberts decided it was a tax, yeah. when in the very document itself it says yeah. it's not a tax. So, But ironically, in North Carolina, their present governor, who was attorney general at that time, sent a notice to the legislators of North Carolina and said, you can't do this because of Article 6, Clause 2, and he conveniently left out the phrase, in pursuance of. <laughs> Isn't and what he crazy? what he sent the legislators, and they were so dumb about their own constitution, they didn't catch it. Mm -hmm. That's the thing, and it's just a couple of words that you know. It's like last night, they uh, the this so called uh, stimulus bill that they were rolling out uh, got frozen because a couple of words got put in that shouldn't have been, and it locked the whole thing up. Because luckily, some people read it and caught it and said, "No, we can't have this." Um, but the other thing, you know, it says, and treaties made. And so many people think that just because a treaty is passed and so-called ratified, if that treaty flies in the face of the Constitution, in my, est my estimation and from my reading of Article 6, Clause 2, that treaty is null and void because it's not made in pursuance thereof, right? Isn't that the proper look at it? So this... Uh, that is the proper way to... Yeah, that so, is the proper reading. That's the way it should should be read. Yeah, so if the United States adopts the uh, United Nations Disarmament, uh, Disarmament Treaty, so that, you know, basically says that all the civilians and their citizens have to turn in their guns and all this garbage, and, oh, you got to do it because it's a treaty. treaty. It's a supreme law of the land. Absolutely not. It, it flies in the face, and it's not made in pursuance of uh, the United States Constitution, uh, including Article 2 of the uh, 
and Bill of Rights. So therefore, it's not constitutional and we don't have to follow it. And that's the thing. People are, so many people are goofy. That's like a lot of these, um, you know, going back to these lockdown orders. There, in many cases, there's nothing in the Constitution granting the authority to the government to do something. But they will pass in, you know, quietly in the middle of the night sometime, they'll pass a statute that says the governor can do this or they can do that. And they'll rely on that as the, the lawful authority for them to issue these laws or, you know, edicts, when in fact those things are not made in pursuance to the Constitution and therefore they're null and void. And people can't read, you know, see that and can't understand it. And they just think, oh, well, you have to follow it because that's well, the governor said so. Yeah. Why are you so that are so goofy? And that goes back, I, I blame the public fool system. You know, for years they have been dumbing down students and teaching people to react rather than think. And this is what we get. We get a bunch of mind-dumb, you know, brain-dead, spoon-fed, you know, drones that just do whatever they're told by the evening news. And uh, it's becoming very frustrating, <laughs> at least for me. Uh, well, Jim, I have a question for you. Sure. According to the Constitution, how many senators does it take to pass a treaty? Isn't it? Th I, I'd have to double check. I don't remember right off the top of my head. Isn't it like three quarters or two thirds? It's a. It's more than a, a majority, if I remember right. But I could be wrong. Let me see here. But there is there there's some tricky wording in there, Jim. Mm -hmm. Of course, there always is. <laughs> <clears throat> Pardon me. Yeah, go ahead. It says two-thirds of the senators present. present. Yeah. And there has been instances where the president has called three senators, not in recent history, mm -hmm. where the president has called in three senators and they have passed a treaty because two of them agreed to it. Right. Kind of, you know, this wasn't a treaty, but kind of the, the sneaky thing they did back on uh, Christmas Eve of 1913, I think it was, when they, you know, everybody had pretty much gone home for the holiday break, but a few of them stuck around and there was enough there to be a, uh, a majority and pass the Federal Reserve Act. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Like less than two dozen people there or something, and they rammed it through. Um, sneaky SOBs, you know? <laughs> and unfortunately... You know, that's like uh, the vote they had last night. They said it was a 100% vote, but I think there's only 98 senators there because I know Rand Paul is home quarantining and somebody else maybe as well. Um, but they said it was a 100% vote uh, because it was just 100% of those present, which was like 98. Um, they pull that stuff all the time. And that's just one more indication that this Constitution isn't the God-inspired document that everybody seems to think it is. Um, it was written for attorneys by attorneys, basically. And uh, it's obvious that that's the case. Crazy, crazy stuff. So, let's see. Where do we go from here? <laughs> I know you got more. <laughs> well, uh, here is, uh, here is uh, one thing, Jim, that most people are totally unaware of. When does a law, let's, let's hypothetically, a law is passed by the legislature, uh, it goes to, uh, by the House, it goes to the Senate, Senate passes it, goes to the president's desk. Let's take this, uh, uh, what we're talking about here now. Uh, uh, let's say this goes to the president, 
and the president signs it, and at what point could that signed law become unconstitutional? At any point along the way where it flies in the face of the Constitution, I would say. You know, many things that, you know, I would would say that this this bill that they passed last night is probably totally unconstitutional. Um, Well, see, here is something that I think most people are totally unaware of. And if you've ever been in an attorney's office, uh, you will notice they have a set of nice books uh, that line their office wall, which most of them have never read. Mm -hmm. But uh, there is a set of books called American Jurisprudence. Right. And and 16th American Jurisprudence, 2nd, 177, late 2nd, Section 256, pardon me, reads as follows. The general misconception is that any statute passed by legislators bearing the appearance of law constitutes the law of the land. The U.S. Constitution is the supreme law of the land, and any statute to be valid must be in agreement. It is impossible for both the Constitution and a law violating it to both be valid. One must prevail. Mm-hmm. This is succinctly stated as followed. The general rule is that an unconstitutional statute, though having the form and name of law, is in reality no law, but is wholly void and ineffective for any purpose since unconstitutionality dates from the time of its enactment and not merely from the date of the decision so branding it. An unconstitutional law in legal contemplation is as inoperative as if it had never been passed. Mm-hmm. Such a statute leaves the question that purports to settle just as it would be had the statute not been enacted. Since an unconstitutional law is void, the general principle follows that it imposes no duties, confers no rights, creates no office, bestows no power or authority on anyone, affords no protection, and justifies no acts performed under it. A void act cannot be legally consistent with a valid one. An unconstitutional law cannot operate to supersede any existing valid law. Indeed, insofar as a statute runs counter to the fundamental law of the land, it is superseded thereby. No one is bound to obey an unconstitutional law, and no courts are bound to enforce it. Unquote. Yeah. And it's been my contention for quite some time that virtually every uh, bill passed by the Congress and signed into law by the president is pretty much in violation of what you just read. Um, you know, for one thing, you know, this uh, this bill last night, it's my understanding. I'm trying to find it here, but I'm drawing my a blank. Um it's my understanding that all uh, forms of legislation that deal with uh, currency and money uh, have to originate in the House. And this bill originated in the Senate. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm not sure, you know, what, what's going on there. And they did it that way because the Senate was still there and the House was out, I'm sure. But um, plus the fact that the House bill that, you know, was brought forward then when Pelosi came back was an absolute monstrosity uh, of pork. And um, but it seems to me that uh, it says all, you know, all uh, bills, you know, regarding uh, financing and spending are supposed to originate in the House of Representatives. So I would say that this bill that they passed last night, that's now going to the Senate or the House of Representatives is probably starting out as unconstitutional. Not to mention the fact I don't see anything in the Constitution that says you're allowed to take money from the U.S. government and give it to anybody. You know, foreign aid is unconstitutional. All this stuff is, you know, 
not going by constitutional edict. And, of course, everybody, nobody's going to say that because they stand to make money from it. <laughs> and, you know, so they're, oh, okay, well, we'll let this one slide. But uh, isn't that your take on it as well? Oh, without a doubt, uh, Jim. It's uh, it's sad uh, what the American public has allowed to be done to them in the name of government, of which uh, the government has no authorization, no legal authority whatsoever to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's crazy. Um, and all the, you know, all the taxes, everything, you know, all the gun, I, you know, I maintain that every single gun control law nationwide is unconstitutional, uh, whether it be the, you know, the ones prohibiting, you know, full autos or suppressors or ammunition or anything. They're all a violation of the, of the constitution. Um, so personally, I don't worry about them, but, uh, well, in, in actuality, Jim, all of the federal laws are unconstitutional. The states have the rights, according to their constitution, to pass whatever laws they desire in that in that realm. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. I, I thought I was close to finding that section in the, about the legislation, but I guess I didn't. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, this whole thing is just uh, making me nervous. You know, I was on my previous show this morning for two hours on TFR. You know, I was talking about the same kind of things, about these, you know, lockdown orders and all this other stuff or, you know, the fact that now they're requiring to be able to fly, you know, domestically. Uh, You're going to have to have the new state driver's licenses with a little star and a little indication that you've gone through the extra. You know, it's not like, you know, it's that easy, or at least it didn't used to be that easy to get a driver's license. You had to prove who you were and all that kind of stuff. Um, and now they're wanting more things, you know, social security numbers and uh, proof of your address and that kind of crap. And quite honestly, I said, I have no no intentions of complying with that stuff. If I go to the airport, I don't take my driver's license. I take my passport. Uh, and it's still, you know, valid. You know, they're saying if you don't have a passport, you got to have one of these, which, again, that's a restraint of your you know, ability to travel, which, again, is unconstitutional. You know, it's a clear. I think if I remember right, it was actually uh, it delineated as one of the rights in the Articles of Confederation that the government and the states couldn't uh, intercede or prohibit interstate travel and things like that. Uh, so, you know, it basically is built into our DNA, so to speak. And uh, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness includes the right to mo- mobility. And it doesn't, you know, specify which way, you know, starship, beam me up, beam me down. If that's available, you can do it. Um, airplanes, boats, cars, bicycles, horses, uh, they're all valid forms, and it's up to the individual to choose which way they want to go. Um, would you agree with that, or you think that they're justified in what they're pulling there? Or <laughs> what do you think? Well, uh, this is, uh, in my opinion, and uh, as I tell people, I have my opinion. I sell it for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I see a different scheme here. I see not only are we retraining an entire uh, country and, and several other countries as well, but we're retraining uh, that the government is absolutely in charge and every facet of your life must be okayed through that government. And we're stepping right into this. You can't go eat somewhere without the government's approval. It's a uh, we are establishing a prototype for exactly what they they want to do. 
Uh, and the virus is real, uh, and, but it was the virus was made by man. It's a man-made virus. It uh, was made in a bio lab, a bio warfare lab somewhere. I promise you. Yeah. Uh, and so what they're, what they're doing is they are using a crisis, and Rahm Emanuel said, never let a good crisis go to waste. So they, we have this crisis, so now we're going to use it for more dominion and more control of the people. And uh, the end result I see out of this is we're going to outlaw physical money and uh, – because uh, the coronavirus and other viruses could be passed from uh, from uh, physical paper money. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to a, a totally digital currency. And then if you do not have the proper government authorization, you will not be allowed to trade in that currency. Right. Uh, and right. I see the elimination of, of uh, the dollar as we know it and going to some form of currency to that effect. I believe that is part of their end goal. The other thing will be is that if you uh, do not take mandatory vaccinations, you will not be allowed to trade in the digital currency, which means you're basically restricted. Mm-hmm. I, you know, in a lot of ways, Jim, I hope they do this because I believe here is the thing is that no person who is comfortable has ever rebelled against tyranny. Right. And uh, Mao covered it. Uh, uh, Stalin covered it. They all said, all I have to do is keep my people comfortable. I can do anything I want to. Well, I think we have reached the point to where the government intends to make people very uncomfortable, to be very oppressive. And I'm hoping that it breeds a new American who says, you know, I'm tired of this crap. I don't like what you're doing. I'm not going to support it. And uh, that is my hope. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the uh, on the back nine of life, but I hope that that happens and I hope it happens for my children and grandchildren. But something has to happen here somewhere, yeah. because if we're coming yeah. more and more under the uh, under the boot heel of this oppressive government and I don't care who's running it, you can put any face on it you want to the government that oppresses you. And, you know, I've thought this many times is that the way you get the right wing element of a country to go along with your theory is you make them believe they have a right wing leader that's going to protect them. Exactly. Now, I don't want to get into whether Trump's good or bad, but I'm telling you this. If all of this stuff would have been taking place with Hillary as president, there'd have been people in the streets by now. Mm-hmm. Just my take. Yeah, I agree with you on that. You know, the I think more rights are usurped when the people think that the the person in office is on their side and uh, we saw this under bush you know everybody thought bush was so great and what happened we got the patriot act and all the crap that came along with that that's one of the biggest uh, you know usurpations of the individual rights that's been along in a long time and uh, you know this is something that came up on my other show this morning is, you know, these people are saying, oh, they're going to put you in jail. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. I said, you know, the big problem here is people will only go so far as, and they draw their own line. What are you not willing to do to protect your rights and liberties? Whatever that thing is, whether it's I'm not going to go to jail because my kids will suffer or I'm not going to do this because it's going to cost me a fine, guess what? That's what you're going to end up with. They're going to take you to that point that you've drawn the line in the sand, and they may even go a little bit further just for good measure. But they're going to take you to whatever point you're not willing to do, and that's your level of, of slavery. And I said, that's not what I'm up for. 
I said, I decided a long time ago I'm not going to allow somebody to uh, violate my liberties, and I'll stand for it. And if that means, you know, taking a chance of getting locked up, so be it. But I would rather die on my feet than stand on, you know, live on my knees. And I'm not going to sit there and say, okay, I'm not going to, I'll do anything, but I won't do this. Because that's what I'll end up being faced with. I'll have to do that or be locked up or be a slave. And uh, so many people have reached that point where, you know, in the old days, hey, if I got to get locked up to stand up for what's right, so be it. You know, look at the... Um, uh, the situation in um, what was it, post World War II in Athens, Tennessee, when the uh, local you know boss hog was uh, controlling the elections, and all the vets came out and broke into the armory, got the guns, and said, "We're not going to allow this." Um, you know, I don't know if there are enough people around to do that today, and I'm I'm hoping that uh, if the crap hits the fan, that people will stand up and say, "No, this is not going to happen," but. Um, I'm not so sure anymore. Uh, and well, Jim, if I may, if I may interject, I, uh, our son is in the. Uh, uh, well, let me put it loosely. He is in the firearms industry, and we have been talking about the effect of this. And I, I take this as a positive sign because he talks with gun dealers all over the country on a regular basis. That's part of his job. And he said that some of the stories he is hearing from people who are coming in to purchase weapons and ammunition who have never owned a weapon before in their life, and in some ways that's scary, but they're coming in and they're wanting to, and the question that they're hearing uh, uh, that he was talking to me about on the phone was that uh, people are saying, well, damn, I didn't know it was this hard to buy a gun. (laughs) <laughs> and so they are learning a lot of stuff out there. But the fact is, as you may have known, that uh, Nick's, the Nick's check system got so far behind that they actually shut down in some states. They couldn't even couldn't even look at it. Uh, other states are two to three days behind. Uh, what the government has done here is created an awesome uh, purchase, just like Obama did. Uh, and we're creating a people who have decided which tells me a person does not go and purchase a firearm unless they have a particular mindset. Mm-hmm. And a comfortable person who is completely comfortable, who believes the government is taking care of them and going to take care of them, does not suddenly feel the compulsion to run down to the gun store and buy one. Right. And so I'm, I'm reading this as a positive. I'm thinking there are people out there who prior to this thought, oh, well, you know, uh, a pop a government here, a cradle to the grave, they're going to take care of me. I think now when 3.3 million people file for unemployment in one week in this country, I think some people are getting uncomfortable mentally. Yeah. And to have freedom, you have to have a people who are uncomfortable mentally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that goes right along with you know everything I'm hearing is the same thing as most of the gun stores uh, in the last month have been uh, the vast majority of people coming in are liberals and folks people that have never had a gun in their lives and like you said that is scary because you can rest assured that most of them probably won't go out and get training uh which will make them more of a danger than anything in many cases um and on top of that you see the situation with this virus where they're opening up the prisons and letting inmates out and at the same time they're closing down gun stores so you've got people that have never had a gun can't get a gun and now you're releasing criminals so that they 
can prey upon the uh, the victims and the public. And on top of that, so far now, the state of New Jersey has actually passed a law that if you are found violating any of these lockdown orders, you can be arrested and locked up for up to six months. So they're letting the hardened criminals out. They're stopping people from being able to get guns, and then they're locking up the otherwise law-abiding citizens who are just exercising their rights and violating the so-called state edict of, you know, stay in your house. Um, that whole thing is, you know, so what's wrong with this picture? Uh, this is not a free country. When you sit there and look at, you know, what can you still do in this day and age that doesn't require some kind of government permit? You know, it's <laughs> those things are very, very limited. And uh, it's going to get worse. And you're right. I think a lot of people are starting to get nervous and i'm just hoping that the the newbies that are buying guns for the first time get some training and uh get hooked up with some people that can you know give them the right direction both physically and mentally and uh you know hopefully it will be a good thing but um you know and once somebody becomes a gun owner they're less likely to support <laughs> the bad stuff you know hopefully um but, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how this pans out. But I agree with you. They're they're definitely looking at shutting down currency. I know that's been talked about. Um, the one good thing is I have it from a very highly placed government attorney who says the banks were, you know, literally ordered to stay open because they didn't want people freaking out and uh, running on the banks. And he's also saying that they're not doing away with physical currency anytime soon. But... I know that is a goal down the road. And once they do that, once the physical stuff is out of hand and it's all digital, all you got to do is be on the wrong column of the list and with a switch of a button or push of a button on a computer, all the ones and zeros in your bank account turn to zeros. And all of a sudden you got nothing to trade with and you're pretty much locked. And that goes right along with the mandatory vaccines and that kind of thing. That's why people need to have other things that they can use for barter. So that if they find themselves in that situation, not, they're not totally locked out of the system. There will be a huge black market that will develop uh, as a result of that kind of thing, I'm sure. And you'll be gold, silver, uh, precious metals like uh, brass, lead, <laughs> blue steel, <laughs> those kind of things. Um, and even toilet paper. You know, everybody's, what's going on with all the toilet paper buying? And I says, you'd be surprised what a barter item toilet paper is going to be in the future or can be along with anything else, cigarettes, booze, you know, feminine products, uh, soap. There's all kinds of stuff that people will, you know, barter for. And we may be in that position where uh, we're forced to that because our digital currency has disappeared. <laughs> uh, so, you know, this is going right into what Bernie wants. You know, this everybody's saying, yeah. you're, you're getting your 30 days worth of a trial rundown of what it would be like under Bernie. Yeah. Well, imagine a person having to go out and trade their labor for sustenance. Mm -hmm. Which is what they used to do, and they kind of do now. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, the funny thing is going to be all the people that, uh, you know, may find themselves no longer getting a government check and handout, you know, and may have to force themselves to do something like that for the first time in their lives, like Bernie. <laughs> I mean, somebody who's never heard, held a, a real job outside of elected office, uh, and he's trying to tell everybody else how they're going to live their lives, um, which is typical socialist. Uh, it's 
you know, like they like the old giant, the Chinese uh, curse. I think is may you always live in in interesting times, and uh, that's exactly what we're going to be having here. And I, you know, the other thing that's got me interesting is a situation where you know Trump would like to see the stuff start to open up by Easter, and I'm inclined to agree with him because he's looking at the big picture and he said it. You know, you know, we shouldn't let the uh, cure be worse than the cause or the, than the disease. And shutting down the uh, the uh, community and the uh, economy is really a dangerous thing. And I think we're going to have more people die as a result of the economy being shut down than we will for any virus. Uh, just because of the people not being able to get food, not being able to get the things they need to survive. And uh, they're going to die like back in the, uh, the Great Depression. Um, years ago when most people were on the farms and in rural areas 90 percent in the country 10 percent in the cities and seven million people starved to death now those numbers are reversed we're looking at 90 percent in the cities and seven or ten percent in the countries just imagine how many people are going to starve to death now and uh it's it's going to get interesting but shane has joined us and i think Shane, do you have a question for mike i uh, no, i actually i do uh <clears throat> Has uh, Michael Gaddy uh, made any books? Um, I would like to get a book. Oh, good question, Mike. Have you written any books, or is it all your stuff, just research and that kind of thing? Well, thanks for asking. I am actually in preparation of a book uh, that I've been working on for some time, trying to put parts together as I can. Uh, and a lot of it will actually be done with uh, some of the articles I've written over the past 25 years, uh, 25 to 30 years. As a matter of fact, while you were thinking, while you were saying what you were saying, Jim, I thought of an article I wrote about 25 years ago when I said uh, uh, we need a uh, pure Marxist for president so we can wake these people up before it gets too late. Uh, because of this gradual, if you get just a small dose, a small dose, a small dose, like bull and the frog, before you know it, it's too late. And 25 years ago, I was advocating for full-on Marxism, so at least we could wake up some people before it was too late. But uh, no, sir, at this time, I do not. I have a website if uh, you would be interested in reading some of my past articles. All right, yeah. and that's uh, Rebel. Yeah, go ahead and give that again, Michael. Yeah, it's uh, www.rebelmadman.com. All right, all right, thanks. And uh, you've also got a new one coming out that you're working with Daryl, Embracing the Obvious, right? Yes. And have you guys started right. your podcast yet? I've got a link to that one. I'll have to put the Rebel Madman on my site as well. But I do have a link to the uh, Embracing the Obvious website. Uh, it's embracingtheobvious.com. And... Um, it's a good looking site. You know, Robert does a great job putting these things together. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to when you guys start doing the podcast. Uh, that's going to be pretty cool, but, um, we're doing and, a practice run pretty soon, Jim. Cool. That'll be great. And, uh, I, I would love to see you do a live show on PPN. That'd be great. Uh, and it wouldn't be difficult to set up. I think I would be listening to it every chance I got. That's for sure. But, uh, yeah, you know, the more information you, people can get and the more they can learn about this stuff, you know, we need to educate people. There's no question. 
And uh, slowly but surely, people are starting to get educated. Uh, we're down to about uh, 11 minutes left, so I want to give you as much time as possible to anything else that's you know on your heart that you want to bring forth that you think people need to hear. Uh, let her rip. Well, I was thinking also, of course, we quoted uh, um, the uh, scripture of Hosea 4, 6, and uh, also uh, Cicero uh, had a very valid uh, comment when he said that the people who do not and are not knowledgeable of their own history will be forever infants. Mm. And I've thought about that so many times when I look back at the way people are acting today, you look at the action of people on social media and everything. It seems that everyone has the mentality of a junior high person. Yep. Yep. And I think that makes it relevant to uh, what Cicero said. Uh, and uh, just to throw in, uh, Jim, uh, as a matter of fact, tomorrow on uh, Revolution Radio, uh, Daryl and I will be on with a new program that uh, L.B. Bork, author L.B. Bork, has done. Uh, he and I have a uh, program going on Fridays for two hours, and it's called uh, Dare to Think Out Loud. Ooh. And so our first guest will be Daryl on that tomorrow. Wow. And uh, you say that's on Revolution Radio? Revolution Radio Studio A. And it, tomorrow it will be from... Uh, I think noon to two on uh, East Eastern time, I believe. Okay, I will uh, see if I can't listen into that. If I can, and I take it's just revolutionradio.com. It's uh, internet based. Well, I think if you want to listen in, it's uh, freedomslips.com okay. is the best uh, uh, link to use. Okay, freedomslips s l i p s dot com. Cool. Yes, sir. Hmm. I will check that out. Um, Daryl is a, he amazes me, <laughs> as do you. Um, <laughs> he is a very deep thinker, very well read. Uh, I have the greatest respect for him. And, uh, yeah, I think you guys are really going to have uh, a big listenership uh, to your new podcasts and to any shows you do. Um, I just, whenever Daryl comes on Roger's show, I just sit back and, wow, what's he going to give me now? <laughs> Because he's got some great stuff. Well, it's kind of funny, Jim. I was traveling about a year or so ago, and uh, I got a call from Daryl on my uh, on my call and uh, using the Bluetooth. And uh, we talked uh, while I was traveling for almost an hour. And uh, Daryl said, uh, and this is where the idea first germinated. Uh, Daryl said, wow, uh, can you imagine what this would have been like if this would have been a podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, so from that point uh, in our discussion, and we were we were into some deep discussion about the uh, Constitutional Convention and who did this and who did that, which uh, you know in our education we're never taught about, and we had just really gotten into some ideas and thoughts, and the time flew by, and an hour later we're still talking and. And that's when, again, not to be redundant, but that's when he made the statement, uh, hey, uh, you know, maybe some other folks might be interested in listening to our conversation. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. Um, 
it would be very interesting. You know, when you first mentioned that you were on in the driving and whatnot, and I, the first thing that went through my head is I'd like to be a fly on the wall listening. <laughs> and that's exactly what you're making available to people, and I think it's going to be a real blessing to a lot of folks. And uh, I'm sure that there will be just tons of education going through there. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Let me know as soon as you get your first podcast posted. And like I say, I'll try and listen. Will do, Jim. And uh, I, I uh, like you, I am uh, continually uh, blown away. And, of course, Daryl and I have been friends for several years now. But I am uh, just absolutely blown away at his level of knowledge, his level and his intellect. And uh, when you key all that back into his uh, his experiences as a uh, commercial airline pilot and some of the things that happened in his realm uh, in that respect, especially on 9-11 uh, in the 9-11 era, yeah. are uh, certainly interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, to be uh, flying planes at that point would have been very interesting and in all the changes that went through. And uh, it'd be interesting to talk to him <clears throat> I've, I've never had him uh, heard him mention it, but it would be interesting to talk to him about uh, what was and was not possible uh, at, on 9-11 as far as all these uh, phone calls that were supposedly made. I Personally, I don't believe that you can make uh, any phone calls on a regular cell phone when the plane is flying at altitude. Number one, uh, well, the antenna systems are not geared towards things at 30,000 feet. It's all ground level stuff. Um, and the way antennas propagate, that wouldn't be possible. Plus, you know, you'd be traveling from one um, uh, cell to another so quickly they'd have a hard time maintaining the handshakes, and there'd be so many things that would make these uh, so-called alleged phone calls, like the guy uh, from Pennsylvania or wherever he was from and the one flight that supposedly crashed in Shanksville, to let's roll. You know, that's all made up for public consumption as far as I'm concerned. It was a great story, but I don't well, think there's any truth to it. I got a great rabbit hole for you. Okay. On that, uh, you realize there are flight, flight simulators where pilots are trained, right? Mm-hmm. And the majority of them are at Hartfield in Atlanta. Okay. What would you say to a group of seasoned commercial pilots with thousands and thousands of years, years, not years, hours of flying time who got on those simulators and tried to duplicate the feats of the hijackers, uh, quote, unquote, on 9-11? Especially the flight that supposedly hit the Pentagon. It would be, and I've heard over and over again that uh, to to fly the plane the way it would have had to have been flown, to strike the Pentagon at the angle and the speed and everything that it struck at would be literally physically impossible. The best pilots out there wouldn't be able to do it. The ground turbulence and everything uh, flying at that height at that speed would have been, I mean, they would have crashed long before they got to the Pentagon. And I personally believe that was a missile that was fired from a U.S. warship. <laughs> uh, that's something that, you know, is being kept very quiet. Uh, but, there's no way possible that a airliner hit the Pentagon. No way at all. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you there. The things that these guys were supposed to do, and that's the biggest one. But the other one is Shanksville, where, you know, the uh, the uh, local coroner shows up 
takes a look around and turns around and leaves. And they said, where are you going? Well, there's no bodies here. There's nothing for me to do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's no way a commercial airliner would crash the way they allegedly did and not have a debris field and bodies and everything else. And this whole thing, you know, for people to believe the official story, you talk about a conspiracy theory, that's what the government story is. Uh, the truth is, you know, nowhere in there. You know, it's my understanding that there was a uh, uh, Air National Guard wing out of, I think it was Minnesota. They were called the um, Wild Weasels, I believe, that they were actually tasked with shooting down the plane. And originally when that plane was shot down, they said there was an eight-mile debris field, which would go along with a plane that was blown up midair. You know, the, the debris would be a long range. And then very quickly that story was squelched, and then it was a big crater in Shanksville where everything came down in that one spot. Uh, again, impossible. There was no plane left. There was just a big hole in the ground. <laughs> Tell me where it went, you know. And they said, oh, it just disintegrated. That's impossible, too. Those planes are designed so they won't disintegrate, especially the engines. And uh, the whole thing was a big mess, and the people that still believe it is just beyond me. But we're down to like two minutes, so uh, you know, give your uh, give your other website besides the uh, uh, one I mentioned that's on my website now. Give your main web, your first website again, if you would. It's uh, www.rebelmadman.com. That's right. Okay. Um, and anything else you want to say in the last uh, roughly two minutes? Well, uh, well, you took part of it, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm glad that you uh, brought that up. But uh, I went into great detail with a ton of questions for Daryl on the plane that allegedly hit the Pentagon, and he went we he went into so much detail from a seasoned pilot's perspective, and he was uh, you know authorized and qualified to fly that particular aircraft. And so he had a working knowledge to go through the entire sequence with him is priceless. Oh, I'll bet. <laughs> Hopefully that'll be one of the things you guys cover in one of your uh, early podcasts. I uh, definitely want that. <laughs> but uh, oh, I'll tell well, you. I was... would say count on that, Jim. Cool, cool. Um, well, we're down to about 57 seconds uh, before the music starts. Uh, I just want to thank you so much for coming on today. Shane, thanks for coming in and asking about uh, books and stuff. I'm glad you did that because uh, I might have forgotten to have him uh, give out the websites. But uh, definitely uh, follow Mike and uh, and uh, Daryl when they get the, their uh, podcast going. Check out the websites and uh you know, it'll be interesting to see where, where we are next week and what we're going to talk about, and, you know, what other uh, usurpations the governments have done during that time. But uh, we'll just uh, cover it as it goes. I'm sure they'll play, pro provide us with plenty of topics. <laughs> but again, Michael, thanks so much for being here. And uh, we will um, just keep plugging away along one day at a time. And everybody else needs to remember, take care of your body because it's the only place you have to live. Uh, exercise uh, common sense. Give your body the things it needs to stay healthy, and uh, you'll get through this storm without any problem and just uh, pray like crazy. So, again, thanks so much, Michael, and uh, we will plan on doing this again next Thursday, and uh, we'll see where we go. So thanks so much, and take care, and we will see you next week. God bless.